0: Welcome to Crossed Over, the show where you hear stories of people who have been transformed by Jesus Christ, who have truly crossed over from death to life. Welcome to Crossed Over. I'm Jeff Johnson, your host. Uh, For those of you that have joined us again, thank you for seeing some of the previous episodes, episodes of Crossed Over If uh, if you're new to Crossed Over, I want to share with you kind of the inspiration and the heart behind this show, Crossed Over. It comes from John 5, 24, where Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. If you were to look back at some of the previous episodes, we've shared uh, stories and interviewed folks who uh, truly, their life has been changed by Jesus Christ. Uh, this show has given uh, me an opportunity to bring on some friends and other folks that, that God has sent my way and uh, through the years to be able to highlight their life, for them to share about how Jesus has changed their life. Has truly brought them life um, into death. And so uh, today's no different. Today in this new episode, I have a, a longtime friend of myself, his name is Chad Barr, and I'm going to go ahead and bring in Chad Barr. Uh, Chad, are you there? I am here. Oh, so glad to have you. Well, Chad is, uh, like I said, I've known Chad since I first stepped foot at First Baptist in Kings Mountain way back in 1999, which seems... Oh, my gosh. Which, according to my kids, that's back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth
1: mine would say the same
0: no doubt well chad thank you for being on crossover and uh you may hear some random noise in the background uh for chad's place it's okay it is church they're getting work done on their roof and so you'll just have to excuse it a little bit and uh so chad if you would share a little bit about yourself uh what you're doing today and introduce yourself i guess to our audience
1: All right. Well, man, first of all, thanks for letting me have the opportunity to do this. I really appreciate it. It's an honor and a privilege. Um, So I grew up in a town called Midland, Texas, and I, um, you know, I was actively involved in if it had a ball involved, I was involved in that growing up. Um, And so I was very heavily involved in sports growing up. uh, It really shaped who I became as an adult. So I I love sports. I'm, uh, I'm a, I'm a sports fanatic, I guess you could say. Um, but it doesn't rule my life. Number one.
0: (laughs) Now, 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 hold on. I'm going to interrupt. So you've got two teams, two teams that you pull for that. I, I really can't, I can't even say their names.
1: Well, here's one. Okay, and for, for those
0: listening only, uh, he was oh. holding up a Dallas Cowboys hat. Okay. Oh yeah! And the other team happens to be uh, the ruling team in our oh, state shit, of shit. North Carolina.
1: The yes. Tar Heels. Yes, the ruling, the ruling team.
0: Yes. So, so growing up, you're you're a sports guy. I love playing sports. All right.
1: Yes. Um, so I'm a sports guy and. Uh, church was not really a thing. We, um, we would go, I guess when it was convenient, which was not very often. And, um, but I went from time to time and I heard, you know, about the guy named Jesus and, um, but it was not really important at all, not in the least. And, uh, when I turned 16, me and my family, uh, my dad's—he owned a company, and it went bankrupt because in Midland, Texas, everything depends on oil. And in the '80s, oil was really bad, and uh, so his company went bankrupt, and we had to move. I had I had never moved before out of outside of a outside of Midland, Texas, and so uh, we moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And that was a huge shock. At first, I was looking forward to it because it was a different place. And you know how whenever you're a kid, your town is (laughs) – there's like – nobody really likes their town. They can't really wait to get out. And so I thought moving to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania would be fun at first. And then we moved, and it was in December. And so – I moved from a town that it never got cold, ever. It was like the desert in Midland, Texas. And we moved to a place where my very first day of school in high school was 30 below zero. Wow.
0: So so what grade were you when you guys moved to Pittsburgh?
1: I was in 10th grade. Okay. And uh, man, that first that first semester, you know, you're moving into a brand new place. Um, And it was in December, and everybody already had their little clicks that they would, they kind of fit in already. And I didn't fit in anywhere. And uh, so I became very, very inward. And, uh, and I had no outlet. And so, again, thanks to sports, I was involved in like I was a tennis player in high school, and a halfway decent one. Whenever I moved to Pittsburgh, I was I ended up being number one on the tennis team for the rest of the time, and um, so that kind of saved me to so I could kind of fit into a group and uh but it still wasn't really enough and i had a really really great friend who never gave up on me and her name was margot cory and margot i don't know if you if you had this whenever you were in school but we used to have what they called study hall well our study hall was in the cafeteria and uh i would sit at a table in the cafeteria all by myself and whenever i whenever i say table i mean like those really long <laughs> cafeteria tables i would be at one of those by myself and everybody else was hanging out with their friends um and Margot, <laughs> Margot would come over and sit with me and just start talking and I would never, I wouldn't talk back because I was too shy. And uh, eventually, because I, w- I became mean, I was mean. Golly, I was mean. I think back to those days and was like, how, the reason why I didn't have any friends because I was a booty. <laughs> and, um, and so one day I looked at Margo and I was like, what do you want? I mean, you come over here every single day. You talk to me. I don't talk back. What do you want from me? And um, thankfully, that didn't scare her away. She just kept coming, and eventually, we became the best of friends. She, she, she got me out of my shell, and I believe that I am the way I am today because of Margo.
0: Well, I'm sure um, if if you're like me, Chad, a lot of people, you know, I, I had a similar experience in high school sports was kind of my outlet uh, i was shy except for a couple of friends but you know knowing you now and i'm sure many people even in your church wouldn't even begin to believe that you were this shy teenager and uh no, no. I, I, I share that experience very much the same um so so carry on so you're in high school you're developing this friendship with Margot. um what what happens over over, over time? I guess as you finished high school,
1: yeah. Over so church whenever so whenever back in Midland, whenever I would go to a church, it was a um, a Southern Baptist church. So if I knew anything about church, it was through that lens. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania has a much different landscape as far as uh, religion goes. <laughs> Lots of Jews. And a lot of Catholics. Mm-hmm. Margo was Catholic, and uh, and her family was Catholic. And uh, well, we we ended up we would try a church, and it would be a, a Southern Baptist church, and I hated all of them. They were they were so boring, and I was just like, I I don't have to go. I'm not going. And so I didn't. And so I started working at this restaurant called uh, King's Family <laughs> Restaurant. And um, I, actually, that restaurant doesn't exist anymore at uh, the one that I worked at. Um, but they were all over Western PA. And uh, so I started working there and I met my best friend. His name's Brian Petrus. And Brian Petrus was a very, very strong Christian kid. And, uh, he became my best friend, never judged me for being me. Um, he invited me to his church and I went one time and his church was, I believe it's church of God or church of Christ or one of those types of churches, which they're not bad. Um, but when we went, they had people that were like, they were dancing around the aisles. They would talk when the pastor was talking and speaking in very, I, I didn't understand what they were saying a lot of times whenever they were talking, not the pastor, but other people. Um, and that totally freaked me out. <laughs> and so I told Brian, I said, dude, what? What? Is this? I had never been exposed to anything like that before. He's not like that. And so I was like, man, dude, I'm not ever going back to that. I, no, thank you. Um, it, it, it was scary to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I had two choices I could go to this really boring, not engaging church. Um, or I could go to this dance. Um, and neither one of them fit who I was really, you know? And so I didn't go at all. And so I started making up excuses to Brian and being like, dude, listen, I got to work. And we worked at the same place. And, um, but I was like the head cook for a long time on Sunday mornings, which was the busiest time of the week, because we would get the before church crowd. The people that wouldn't go to church would come in after them. And then we would get after the church crowd come back. And so Sunday mornings were, I mean, slam packed all morning long. Um, and so.
0: Okay. Okay. So be honest, be honest with me. So you you're talking mm-hmm. about your church. You were you were the first to sign up for the Sunday morning shift, weren't you?
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah. So yeah,
0: I assume yeah, I'll take that. I assume your your family was going, but you you didn't want to go to church, and your your option was no
1: family was not going.
0: Okay, so all right, so well then who did you who did you visit church with? I guess the,
1: the... my friend Brian.
0: Okay, but I mean the other church you mentioned the Southern Baptist Church.
1: Oh, I went with my mom.
0: Okay, so your mom, your mom had sort of a church connection. Brian had a church connection. You didn't, you didn't long to go to either of them. So you're choosing work. Okay, so so what what happened next?
1: So Brian kept not pestering me because that would have been a turnoff to me, and I'd have dug in my heels even further. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because I respected him and he was my best friend, he just didn't do the things that I did. You know, he didn't talk the way I talked. He wouldn't go to certain places that I would go. And um, because we went through high school and through college, we worked in that restaurant. Um, and so and we went to two different colleges. But over the weekends, we would come back and work. And then over the summertime, we would work. And um, <clears throat> And, and and so and I would go visit him at his college and he would come visit me, but he wouldn't go to the places I would go to at my school because I lived a very typical what I think is typical of college life. Um, it was all about chasing girls and drinking alcohol. And yeah. I became a DJ. And um, you <laughs> you said,
0: know, So just it, just for clarification, you would at this point, you definitely would not consider yourself a Christian.
1: Oh my gosh! I,
0: I mean, you know, because I, I think, I think there's some people that hey, I'm Christian, but I'm really not, but I'm living, you know, for different things. But you, I mean, you were anything but being a Christian. You wouldn't even consider that yourself is correct. A Christian. Okay.
1: No, no, and up north, that's not a thing.
0: Yep. No, very, very similar you know, to where I grew up in South Florida. I get it.
1: Yeah. If it, it, it wasn't we, it you know, it's not the Bible Belt, and so it, it's not like you know, because your grandma goes to church, you're a Christian thing. It was not a thing. It wasn't like this, um, um, you know, people didn't look down on you because you didn't say you're a Christian and stuff. Um, and so I just lived my life, you know, and I was living, I was having fun and, um, or at least I thought I was drinking, partying, chasing after girls, and and just doing that type of life, the farthest thing from God possible. Yeah, I think I wasn't into drugs, but my roommates oh. were. And so, uh, and the only reason why I chose not to do that, I didn't share any of this. But oh. when, before I was born, uh, my dad left me and my mom, and he was a terrible drug addict. And he still is to this very day. Hmm. And uh, and so I never did drugs because I didn't want to be like him. Hmm. But I would drink alcohol and I would curse like a sailor. And, I, you know, that didn't seem to um, click to me that that was just as bad.
0: <laughs> Chad, how old were you when you're when you when your dad left?
1: Uh, my real dad before I was even born.
0: Okay. And your mom remarried?
1: My mom remarried a couple of times. Okay. Um, so I had a, after my real dad, um, she married this guy. And uh, all I remember about him was that he was abusive. And I was very scared of him. Um, he, he, I remember his blue truck and I would wait at the front door and I would see his truck and I would run to my room because I was scared of him. Mm. And I know that I had a hernia when I was three years old and it's because he kicked me. And, uh, and so, uh, eventually my mom left him because she was terrified of him too. I'm sure she, he was abusive to her. And then that same year, whenever I was three, she met the man that I call my dad.
0: Okay. And he's the one they moved you guys from Texas to Pittsburgh. Yes, gotcha. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so let's pick back up. You are you're in college, and you are living the typical college experience that most people think of. You're, you know, chasing girls. You're partying. Uh, you're on top of the world, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're you think you got the world, mm-hmm. um, I guess, by the horns. Um, yeah. Pick back up and and share um, what's going on.
1: All right. So uh, during that time, my friend Brian never gave up on me. Right. And remember, he's my good Christian friend. And he kept inviting me and I just kept making excuses. But then finally, I said to him, I will go to a church when I get a real job. And that will satisfy you to stop asking me. At least that's what I thought, and um, and so he said, okay, right? And I told him that I think probably by pretty close to the end of um, high school, maybe the first year or so into college. Well, college life was not a good thing for me. I, I'm <laughs> instead of going to class and studying, I was partying. And I actually got academically dismissed from college. And it was a wake up call. It was a huge kick in the butt. Um, Because I've always wanted my life to matter, no matter what. I thought I would be a teacher since I was in sixth grade. And so I was pursuing that avenue. And when I got that piece of paper that said you are academically dismissed, basically what that meant was, get your stuff and get out. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't tell my parents, right? I went and got a job selling junk out of the, out of, to businesses out of my trunk. And I did that one day. And that one day I was like, I, what, what am I doing? What, what, where is this going to lead? right and I said I got to get back into school somehow so I went back to my college that I was attending and I got kicked out of and I went and begged and pleaded for them to let me back in and after a little bit of groveling thank god they let me back in um but had someone tell me they didn't think I would make it even though they were gonna let me back in They didn't think I would make it. Well, challenge accepted, right? My sports self kicked in, and uh, I saw that as a challenge, and I told that lady I would see her at graduation. Well, during this time, shortly after that, my dad got cancer, (laughs) Um, and it it got bad. And uh, since it took me so long to graduate from college, um, I was really close. I was, I was, I was uh, right at the graduation time. Um, and the next semester, I knew that I was going to graduate. So it was going to be in May of 1997. And uh, I went home that. Uh, they had moved back to Texas while I was in college. And I went back home, I went to visit them over Christmas break, which is a month long when you're in college. And that entire month, my dad didn't get out of bed at all, except for one day. And he spent that whole day with me. Now, something happened when they moved back to Texas my dad who was never really uh involved in church at all ever they met this country preacher and my dad loved that guy and pretty sure he got saved within that country church because he was a different man and my mom was super You know, thankful because of that. And he led her, uh, you know, something happened in that church for the good with them. And uh, so that day that he spent with me, uh, I will never, ever, ever forget. Because he didn't have to do that. He could have done something else that day. Um, So I knew that he was not going to make it. So I went back to school in January, and he died February uh, 23rd of 1997. And I graduated in May. And I so desperately wanted him to see me graduate because, I mean, they sacrificed a lot for me. And um, I didn't make it. Well, his death rocked my world. And so I got to searching for the meaning of life. I always tear up when I talk about this stuff. So I apologize.
0: (laughs) No need to apologize. Um,
1: (laughs) uh, But it got me searching for the meaning of life. And I graduated. And so I was going to go back to Texas and live with my mom, who was now a widow. But my best friend, Brian had graduated a year before me because he was much smarter than I was and did what he was supposed to do in college. (laughs) And um, he had gotten a job in North Carolina teaching in uh, Kings Mountain, North Carolina. Yay! (laughs) And uh, he was living in this apartment complex and uh, I put everything I own in a car and I started to head to Texas, but I told my mom, I'm gonna stop by North Carolina to see my my buddy Brian. And uh, because I didn't know whenever I would see him again. Well, when I got to Brian's house or his apartment, now I did graduate in May, but I still had to do some student teaching. So I didn't really finish until that December. Mm-hmm. So m- went down to North Carolina, see my friend, Brian, and I didn't know how long I was going to stay there. I was just going to hang out for a few days or whatever and head on to Texas um, to try to start looking for a teaching job. Well, he had circled some teaching jobs in the paper. I mean, I know people don't know what that is I anymore.
0: I what, what's, what's a paper?
1: <laughs> they used to put out these little things and you would read them. It was kind of cool.
0: For for those um, of you young listeners out there, this is this is still the uh, baby years of the internet. <laughs> yes.
1: Um, so he had circled some jobs in the paper, and I was like, Brian, they're not going to hire anybody in December. That's crazy. He goes, Why would they put it in the paper? I was like, You know, that's a good point. And so I called these places, and one of them was in Gastonia, and one of them was in. Um, what's on the other side of Charlotte? Um, anyway, I can't remember the town, but it was on the other side of Charlotte. I went to both interviews and they both wanted to hire me, like the day I interviewed. I don't know why they wanted to hire me because, I mean, obviously it took me a long time to get out of college, and I'm sure they had a, you know, a choice of who to have as a teacher. And surely there was somebody better than me that was more qualified, but they wanted me. So I took the one in Gastonia because I could live with my best friend, Brian. So I called my mom. And I said, hey, mom, I got good news, bad news. Bad news is I'm not coming to Texas. Good news is I got a job teaching. She was so excited for me. She was sad that I wasn't going to come live with her, but she was super excited for me. I got a job doing what I was, you know, what I had been trained to do. Well, started living with my best friend Brian. Guess what he said? Are you going to ask me something?
0: Well, no, I know I, I was going. <laughs> I know what you're going to say because you, you said you said the promise you promised Brian. Go ahead and share it.
1: That's right. Um, I I promised Brian like six years prior (laughs) six years who remembers something from six years ago I can't Mm -hmm. remember yesterday but he sure did he said hey Chad you remember what you told me about finding a church when you got a real job teaching that constitutes as having a real job and I said man I was just telling you that so you would just get off my back but I made you a promise I'm going to go try. Well, guess where that apartment complex was? (laughs) It was about a block and a half away from First Baptist Church, Kings Mountain. (laughs) I could have walked. I I could have. (laughs) I didn't, (laughs) but I could have. And I went and visited... uh, first Baptist church and my plan, my plan was to go there one time, satisfy my promise and go back to life. And now now I'm going to
0: interject here because (laughs) as you shared earlier, of course you said your previous experience at a Southern Baptist church was (laughs) so boring, unengaging. And, uh, you happen after years and years of being in church. You show up at our church. What happened?
1: So I get to your church and uh, there was a guy by the name of Chip. Um, all I remember from that day is that guy talking about my life. And I thought, he doesn't know me. He, he's never I've never met this man how does he know what is happening how I'm living but the most important thing I heard that day was that I may be a uh, a, a no good <laughs> he didn't use these terms I may be a no good you know human from the inside But Jesus loves me anyway. And I had heard about Jesus before. But for some reason, that day, that moment, I heard that Jesus loves me. No matter what. So I went home and I told Brian about it. And I was like, dude, this is weird. I got to go back. I don't want to go back. But I got to go back. And so I started I got I went back the next week and it was a very similar experience. I really felt like we were having a conversation but I was just listening. I felt like I was the only person in that room. It was so weird. Um I didn't understand at the time. So
0: okay, so Chad, let me interrupt here. What's what's going on? It's been a little bit. What's going on through graduation, your dad passing away, you you talked about how internally you began to it, it kind of launched you with into this search for more meaning, more purpose. Uh, what was yeah. going on on the inside of Chad Bar in your mind, in your heart at the these moments you were, um, I guess, hearing really clear message of Jesus?
1: Yeah. So for some reason, teaching wasn't it. Teaching wasn't good enough. I thought that that's where I was going to find meaning and purpose. And, uh, you know, I've always wanted to make a difference. That's what my, since I was in sixth grade, I've always wanted to just make a difference. And I thought teaching was the avenue in which to do it. And so when I started teaching, I mean, I was teaching and coaching and I was heavily involved and um, I love teenagers. I, I was, I was fully engaged Um, but for some reason it wasn't, it wasn't it, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough just to be able to teach them that, you know, um, X plus Y equals three. And we got to figure out what X and Y is. It just wasn't enough. Um, and so I was internally going, man, I have put all this time and all this effort into pursuing this avenue why am i not getting any why am i not getting enough out of that and then so whenever i was in the sitting in that in that sanctuary and chip was talking to me somehow he conveyed that if i wanted to find real meaning and purpose to life it was found in jesus And Jesus loves me, even though I'm a no good rotten scoundrel. I didn't immediately come to Jesus at that time. I still was kind of freaked out that it was still just he and I in this conversation. Oh, after that first time chip and uh, Deacon came to my apartment. And, uh, I remember, (laughs) I remember the first time they came and he goes, So would you say that you're a Christian? I was so nervous. I said, yes. (laughs) Um, uh, Of course, I know who Jesus is. I've heard about the guy, but I I had never taken a step towards accepting his forgiveness in my life. Um, So I lied to Chip. I was a sinner. I mean, what do you expect from sinners? We do sinner type of things. And uh, so I lied to him and, and to that deacon. And I, can't, I wish I could remember who that deacon was, but I, I can't remember. Um, but I thought it was cool that Chip came to visit me. Um, it took time out of his day to come visit somebody that he didn't know that he had a conversation with. <laughs> um, and so... So, so when, did, um,
0: when, did, when did things change? What What was so, the point... You know, we, yeah. you've led us this far. When did when did things come to the point of uh, contention, decision?
1: Yeah. So I kept going to church. I kept going back. And I, I wanted to meet people because I was new to the area. And now I'm this outgoing, I'll talk to a rock uh, kind of guy. And um, thanks to Margo, Corey. Uh, and so I wanted to meet people. And I heard that there was this thing called Sunday School. So I started going to a Sunday school class and it was led by Chip's wife, Martha. And, uh, it was kind of cool because there were people my age in there and, uh, I met their daughter, um, joy. And, uh, joy invited me to this Bible study that she was kind of leading on the side there. I don't know if y'all still have that house that was kind of like in the corner of the parking
0: lot.
1: No. Oh, well, at the time y'all had that house.
0: The one house. And she was
1: like, hey, yeah. So she was like, hey, we're doing this Bible study with some other, you know, people. Um, would you like to come? And I was like, heck yeah, man. It's a way for me to meet some some people. I'm really enjoying myself and in getting involved in in what I was getting involved in. And they were studying the book of James. And I'm a black and white kind of guy. It's either right or it's wrong. I knew the stuff that I was doing was wrong. I just didn't care. And uh, that that book of James, <laughs> man, it tore me up. And uh, it was during one of those Bible study times with that group of people um, a girl by the name of Catherine Bruner at the time was her name. Um, she's now married and has children and uh, is doing well. And um, anyway, she was kind of leading. And I, I don't I don't remember exactly what was said. I just knew that I needed to repent and ask Jesus into my life. So I went home and I did that beside my bed by myself. Um. I didn't need some, well, I didn't think I needed anyone to like lead me in a prayer. I I, I could do that, even though I didn't know what that looked like. Um, I could mimic kind of stuff that I had seen. and uh, But I knew that I was a sinner and I knew that Jesus came and died on the cross for my sin personally. And I needed to accept that forgiveness. Um, and so I did. and. Uh, greatest decision of my entire life. Hmm. So, um, I owe a lot of gratitude to First Baptist Church in Kings <laughs> Mountain. Um, and then I started getting involved in the youth group. Right? Do you, Do you have any more questions before yeah, I move on to that?
0: Yeah, I was gonna say when when I moved here in '99. Uh, you know, one of the guys. You know. That was helping with the youth group was this guy right here, Chad Barr. He <laughs> loved teenagers, and at that point, he already, um, I guess, entered into a, uh, a a relationship with with the Lord Jesus, and um, God was growing you and put you in a point so our paths crossed, and I guess you and I kind of clicked right away because uh, you know you love teenagers and you love Jesus and you know, outgoing, He love sports, even though I don't know how you're a Cowboys fan and a Carolina fan. <laughs> but I tolerated you to some stance. But, uh, you know, Chad, I, I would love, like I said, I've, I think I've said this to many of my guests, that we're going to need to do a part two, uh, for, for no doubt for you. But so when I, and I, I want you to give me the, like the 50 cent short version over the next couple of years, how did you see God's life—the life of Jesus—not just "hey, you're going to heaven one day," but how did you see in in your calling and God maturing you, peace, joy, w- whatever it may be? How did you see evidence of God pouring His life into you over the next couple of years?
1: Yeah, so. Uh, after I got saved man I just started I, I was John 10 10 is my life verse um, where it says the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy and I absolutely 1,000 percent believe that because he's a punk and I was headed straight towards destruction and um, if I didn't turn and and receive Jesus which the end of john 10 10 says for i have come so that you may have life and life to be abundant so i believe that yes he has this uh salvation for me where i get to go to heaven great but my i've always wanted my life to matter and so that verse says that he has a life and life abundant and i believe that to be right here right now in my everyday life and so uh the way I see him pouring his life into me is, man, I, I, I really got heavily the Bible started to come alive to me and he was speaking me t- through his word. Um, uh, whenever I talk to people about how I feel like God is calling me into the ministry, I talked to Shane Doty first and he said, I saw this coming a long time ago. And I was like, why didn't you tell me? He goes, it wasn't for me to tell you. It was for you, you to hear from God and uh and so then i went to uh i went to uh chip and i told chip and he goes oh i knew that months ago i was like what in the world (laughs) and then i think i talked to you about Mm it and um it was just all every conversation i had was confirmation that um people saw that god was working in my life and working in a special way where he wanted me to go into full-time ministry and um, man, God has been so good to me from, from me being stupid and uh, going to seminary with no job and no place to live. He provided both on the same day when we were told that there was no way we were gonna get into seminary housing, um, he provided seminary housing for us. Um, and then through seminary, I learned a ton, um, because basically I was still kind of fresh out of the out of the womb when I went to seminary Um, I didn't really know a whole lot other than I love Jesus and I love teenagers and I want to pour my life into them and um, so got out of seminary and then went to First Baptist Church in Pageland and God blessed Pageland is like 50 years behind times and um, God really blessed blessed my ministry there. And um, and then then from there, we were like, hey, let's go plant a church. We don't know how to do it, and we're going to do it with a lead pastor and a youth pastor. Yeah. Stupidest idea ever. Mm-hmm. And um, here, here we are now. I'm the pastor of that church that we helped plant. Um, God has just been so good and so faithful to a crazy fool like me.
0: Well, you didn't share this in the beginning, but you are the lead pastor at The Link in Buford, South Carolina. And um, I, I know sometimes I'm, I secretly tune in uh, to watch some of your broadcasts uh, whenever I can break away from even church stuff here. But uh, I know that God is using you and um, your wife. And I, I'm going to have you back on because I, I can foresee, Chad, I don't think I've shared this with you or really people, but I, I can see another phase in the future of crossover, where I really want to focus, like you're saying, on the John 10.10 10 side of the new life here, uh, of, of sharing yeah. testimonies of not just salvation, but what God has led people to do. Um, you, um, I know that our listeners would be interested to know that, Chad, you are married. Uh, you, have, yes. you have a wife. Uh, we both married up, uh, but you have a wife. Oh, yeah. You have a wife named Amy and uh, you've always had dogs around, but you've also um, fostered and adopted uh, children and kids. are not really children anymore. They're growing up.
1: No, nah, they're adults.
0: So share with me the ages of your kids uh, real quick.
1: All right. So I have Alexis. She's 20 and she's pregnant. I'm going to be a granddaddy.
0: Oh, my word.
1: Um, I have Sebastian and he's 20 and he's working full time at a glass shop and he's actually now working at a church as a youth leader. How awesome is that? And then our youngest, her name is Janaya, and she is 17 and just graduated from high school and is looking to uh, further her education here in the near future.
0: Mm, That's crazy. That's crazy!
1: It's amazing.
0: Well, Chad, um, I'm going to give you, and and you were probably the easiest interview so far because I just gave you the microphone and you just took it. Leave it to a preacher, <laughs> a former youth, pa- a former youth pastor. We we don't seem to want to ever shut up, and leave it to a pastor. Yeah. Uh, you give them a microphone and they'll take it and run with it. But no, I I thank you for sharing your story, every person's journey. To faith in Christ is different. It's unique. Um, I, I, as I've shared with previous episodes, some people think they have a boring testimony. I say if Jesus has has brought you from from death to life, nothing about that is boring. Uh, everyone has you have a story to tell. Um, I'm going to give you one minute, and I'm going to hold you to the clock. Uh, everything but the countdown. I'm going to give you one minute. If there's someone listening to this podcast who could relate to you a little bit, like you and me, into our early 20s, you know, we were chasing the wrong things, thinking those things were going to give us life, give us purpose, give us hope. No doubt they did not. They fail every time. If it was a, a brief word that you would share to that person, who, who maybe not even know why they tuned in, why they, they're listening to this podcast or watching this, what would you tell them?
1: Man, I would tell them that no matter how far you are from God, at the moment, this very second, God still loves you. So much so that he gave up his only son and he, he was born of a virgin, and lived a perfect life. They crucified him. He was buried in a borrowed tomb and three days later he rose from the dead. And he did that for you. He did that for every single person on the face of the planet. And it is available to you to accept. Hmm. He doesn't force you. He just loves you. Hmm.
0: That's a good word. I love the context of John 3.16. The context is, you know, a lot of people know John 3.16, but they don't really think about the verses leading up. In Jesus' words, it's like, just as Moses lifted high the serpent in the wilderness, and it goes back to the story in Numbers, where the people of Israel were snake bitten and they were dying, and God's like, okay, I'm going to give you a way out. I'm going to give you a way to be healed, and you give make this serpent out of the bronze. You lift it up on your staff. Everyone who looks on that will be healed, but Jesus said, so too the Son of Man, meaning himself, uh, will be lifted high. And that's a great illustration, great word, Chad, uh, mm-hmm. for any of you. Uh, it can't be any more clear. Any of you, all you need to do is look to Jesus um, as your hope for healing in this life and the life to come. And he will mm-hmm. uh, He will pour his life to you. He will forgive you your sins and make you new. Brother, it's been good catching up.
1: Hey, I appreciate it and so I much. Promise this is awesome.
0: I will have you on again. Uh, on the show, down the road, at some point, as long as God, uh, God allows it. But uh, anyway, it's good. Thank you for sharing your story, and uh, I hope and pray me. that that someone out there is encouraged by it. So, until next time, yes. Take care.
1: Love, love you, brother.
0: All right, I do want to thank Chad for coming on and sharing um, his story. Uh, what a powerful testimony to to the power of God. You know, Chad's right. God, God no matter what you've done, no matter where you're at. Um, as I've shared many times on this, if you have breath in your lungs, you have hope, and you can find hope today, and that is in the person of Jesus. Um, Chad mentioned being a dirty, rotten scoundrel or whatever he phrased it. Uh, I was just like that, and no matter who you are, no matter how lost or broken you are, you are not beyond the reach um, of Jesus. Just open up your heart, pour out. I mean, reach out to Him, and God will reveal himself to you. Um, as we close out this, I do want to give a shout out. Um, I know Chad's a big fan of church plants. He mentioned the link being a church plant. We've become to partner with the River City Church in Vancouver, Washington. And we want you to support them, support their gospel efforts. It's uh, churchplantcoffee.com. Gospel impact with every sip. So when you buy coffee, those of you that love coffee, you're supporting a church that wants to share Jesus with a really, really um, a part of the country that um, uh, that truly is is in need of a Savior. So support them. Also, those of you who happen to be watching or listening, uh, help us out. We want to share the good news. Chad shared a great story today, and we want, we want people to hear. But, you know, my contacts are limited, so the more you take the time, to subscribe on YouTube. The more you take time to not only watch, but to share it. What you've heard on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, share it with people on your timeline, share it on social media. We're able to exponentially multiply um, those who can hear the good news of Jesus. So get on and subscribe. Well, I close by saying this as I began. Uh, I'm so grateful the Chad came on. Jesus' words to you, If you believe him who sent Jesus, you will not be judged. You believe in your heart before you put your faith in the Lord Jesus. He will um, truly take your life from death into life. And he'll give you the new life that Chad spoke about today. Um, He came to have life and give you life to the full. So until next time on Crossover, take care.